Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. I want to welcome you at all of our Pathway Church locations and those of you that are watching online to our series, Breaking Out. And really over the last month, what we have been doing is we have been looking at the story of the Israelites and how God has broken them out of slavery in Egypt. And really we've been taking that and running with that for ourselves as well and saying, you know, how does God break us out of the bondage that we face in our own lives? Last week, Jared uh, presented to us the story of the Passover, and really what we dived in there was saying you that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover, that it's in Jesus that we experience a freedom for our sin and from our wrongdoing that we can find nowhere else. And I'm excited to be able to continue the story of the Israelites with you this week, and especially as we're looking how their story takes a turn for the Israelites that's really, really unexpected for them. You know, that's kind of life sometimes. It's filled with with unexpected moments. And so I'm glad that uh, July 4th is this Monday because I have a story that I've been wanting to share uh, specifically around the 4th about a time that my wife and I, we bought a firework uh, that really wasn't for us what we had expected. And uh, yeah, I hear some of you in the audience. I see some of your eyes. I will let you know this story ends nicely at least, okay? At least kind of nicely. Everybody still has their fingers. No one's hurt at the end of the story. Uh, But what happens for us each year is we go out to Amy's family to shoot off fireworks. They live in Mays, and uh, that's important because if you want to shoot off the big stuff, you got to get further out of Wichita, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You want to shoot off the big stuff when it comes to the fourth. And so we had bought um, what was really, it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be a fountain firework, right? So, and, and it wasn't an overly large firework, but it was, it was a pretty good size. It was probably about this, about this big around, and it's one of those fountains that's supposed to kind of go off for a while and shoot fun different colors, different sounds, go off for a while and enjoy it. And so we waited until it got to be a little bit darker uh, at night because, you know, you want to see all the different colors and everything. And so I got ready to light this firework. I go down to the end of the driveway like you do. And I I set the firework down. I made sure that it was right side up. 
and then I proceeded to light the firework. And then, you know, like you do, you run back towards the garage, you turn around, and you get ready to watch the firework. Well, instead of a fountain coming out of the top of this barrel, as we had expected, uh, this barrel shot straight up into the air like a rocket, probably about 50 feet, proceeded to dive over into a farmer's field across the road. Now, I made sure to tell you that I put it up upright, right? Like, I, I was the one who lit the firework, and I, I, to this day, I, I tell people, I'm pretty sure someone must have put the label on wrong, because instead of a fountain, it turned into this rocket that went across the field. And this summer, I got to tell you, this summer was an especially dry summer. So um, it's not like this summer where we've had quite a bit of rain all through June. It was bone dry. And as you can expect, the farmer's field caught on fire. And so we're, we're all sitting here in the driveway watching this, like dumbfounded, not knowing what, what is going on. And there's this moment where my wife goes, fire. That's a fire. Fire. We need to call a fire department. Somebody call 911. And she's like running around, grabbing her phone, make sure that she calls 911. And so uh, the fire department comes and, and they put that fire out. And they, I mean, they didn't even stay to ask questions. They left to go, go somewhere else. And so needless to say for us, our 4th of July was kind of ruined. After that, we were like, let's not shoot anything else off. We don't want to test our luck uh, anymore today. But your know, life is filled with lots of different unexpected moments, right? And in a more serious note, there's plenty of times for ourselves in life when we find ourselves in places and it's, it's things that we wouldn't desire, things that we wouldn't expect or, or plan for ourselves in our lives. And I think for all of us, really, I mean, we, we always plan good for our lives, right? We want to we, we be good people. We want to plan good for ourselves and for those around us. And so when we come along situations like this in life, it's, it's kind of a shock to us that, that it happens to us, right? We wonder why these kinds of things happen in our lives. You know, for all of us, it's something that, that we, have to, we have to struggle with, right? I know none of us, we ever plan to have a bad marriage, right? But sometimes we can wake up one day and realize that I'm, I'm no longer happy in this relationship that I'm in. Or when it comes to our kids, we all, we all try to make sure that we help our kids grow up to be healthy, successful people, and so it hurts us when our kids make poor choices or they struggle or they do something that's, that's destructive for themselves. You know, none of us plan to have health problems like, like heart issues, disease, or, or cancer. None of us plans to, to go into a job thinking and expecting that that's going to be a dead-end job. And so all of us, this question really is, God, how do I break out? Really, what do I do when life doesn't go as expected? Like I said, we're, we're diving into the story of the Israelites again today and looking at their experience as they broke out of Egypt. And last week, we looked at this 10th plague, the Passover, which was the final plague of Egypt. And it's after this plague that Pharaoh sends the Israelite people out of Egypt. He says, I've had enough. I'm done with this. Over. I need you to leave. I need you to get out of my land. And the Israelites leave, and they go towards the promised land. They don't just leave Egypt, man. I mean, they plunder Egypt on the way out. Scripture tells us that like the Egyptians are giving the Israelites gold and silver, like begging them, do not come back. We do not want the plagues anymore that we have just experienced. And so as the Israelites are making their way out of Egypt into the desert towards the promised land, Pharaoh starts to get second thoughts. He thinks, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've made a mistake, that I shouldn't have let these people go, and I'm going to make it right. I'm going to chase after them with my army. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to make sure that this is finally done and it's over with. And so it all comes to this point 
where the Israelites are at the Red Sea. They've got the Red Sea in front of them. They're stuck. They've got Pharaoh's army behind them. And God instructs Moses to put out his staff, and he, pa- and he opens the Red Sea. The Israelites walk across on dry ground, and then Pharaoh's army pursues them into the sea, just like the, the Israelites walked across. And Scripture tells us when the last Israelite makes it across to the mainland, out of the seabed that they were walking across, God closes the water and defeats the Egyptian army. And it's this awesome moment for the Israelites where they are finally free from the grasp of the Egyptians in their life. And if you look at chapter 15, uh, really the, the Israelites, they're, they're singing songs and celebrating. Moses has this song where it talks about how God is this protector. He's this defender. He's this healer. There's this scene where Miriam takes a tambourine and the other women in camp, and they're all running around singing, saying, God throws horse and chariot into the sea. He's protected us. He's, he's delivered us. But when we look at the end of chapter 15, and then all through 16, the story takes this sharp turn where it goes from all this celebration that the Israelites have been doing to suddenly complaining about the situation that they find themselves in. So I want to look you to look here with me, Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. This is what it tells us. It says, In the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Man, uh, things change pretty quick, don't they? Right? Scripture would tell us they're only a month away from being out of Egypt. It's just been a month for them that they, since they've crossed the Red Sea. And they're already grumbling and they're saying, you know what, we would just rather go back, we'd rather go back to Egypt, right? Like we may have been slaves, we might have been tortured, we may have been worked to death, but at least we had food to eat while we were there. And it's funny how we get rose-tinted glasses about things, right? Like, if it were me and I was one of the Israelites, I'd be like, you guys kind of remember all those things that happened back in Egypt, right? Like, you remember the ten plagues? You remember the frogs and the bugs and the blood and the darkness? Like, I don't know if we should complain too much because I don't really think I want to go back to that, right? But I give the Israelites a little bit of credit here in this passage because, honestly, the Israelites are in a situation they've never found themselves in before. You know, the Israelites, they don't know what it's like to be a nation, They don't know what it's like to live as free people. They certainly don't know what it's like to live life in the desert, and and they're trying to make the best. They're trying to figure out the situation that we're in. And today, when we're talking about these moments where we find ourselves in unexpected places, I think this is true for, for us as well, right? A lot of times we're like, God, I'm just trying to do my best. Like, God, I've been, I've tried to be faithful. I've tried to listen I've tried to, to follow, and so I'm not sure why I'm in this place that I'm in right now. You ever feel, feel yourself like frustrated or upset with God? Feeling like, God, I, I don't feel like you provided in a space where I thought you would? Or God, I, I don't understand the situation I'm in? Or God, I feel like uh, something happened to me that you shouldn't have allowed or it wasn't something that I deserved? I want you to know this today. It's okay to have a complaint to God. That may be a little bit weird for you to hear, but I want you to know it's okay to have a complaint to God. And if you were raised like I was, I mean, that that sounds wrong, right? I know that I was raised that I'm always to be thankful, never to complain, always glad with what I get, right? And we pass this on to our kids as well. Anytime that we pray at night and we're praying to God, we say, what is one thing that we can thank God for today? 
And you guys know the phrase, you probably taught it to your kids too, right? You get what you get and you don't throw a fit, right? Like you guys, a lot of raised the same way that I was raising my kids the same kind of way. But you know, when we look at, at scripture as a whole, when we look at the Bible, there, there's plenty of different points where God's people bring complaints to him. One of the places that this happens, that we see this often, it's, it's in the book of Psalms. And, and Psalms being songs and poems written by God's people, and a lot of them writing about the experience about the time that the Israelites were conquered and exiled from Israel and sent to Babylon. And in there, you can find these Psalms where they ask God questions about, like, why would you allow these things to happen? Why would you abandon your people? But the focus of the psalm is this moment where it's not they are crying out and complaining to God because of a lack of faith, but it's really because of their faith that they are reaching out to God, knowing that even though their situation is desperate and their faith is small in this situation, that God is the only one that can change anything about the situation that they're in. It's a moment where they are reaching out in faith. And this is important for us to know that, I mean, this is a part of our faith growing. It's okay for us to have times where we, we complain or we are frustrated with God, but it's never a moment where it should cause us to be rebellious towards God. You know, I want you to know what we see here with the Israelites in this passage. I mean, it is straight up rebellious against God. Like the promised land, all these things that God had for us, no. Like this isn't it, chief. Like we're about to go back to Egypt because, I mean, at least we can eat some meat while we're there. And honestly, you know, reading the previous 15 chapters of Exodus and all that we've looked at in this last month, I think the way that God responds to the Israelites, it shows a whole lot of grace and maybe not be what we expect. I want you to check this. He says this in verse 4 of chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And now you can skip down to verse 11. It says this, The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. You know, as we're talking about God's provision today and, and that this resource that he is for us, this is the first thing that I want you to realize. I want you to know that God hears you. you know, no matter what situation you might find yourself in or what place you are in, God hears you. And God's response is a little bit surprising, right? We just saw all this judgment that he's dished out on Egypt and their rebellion and their refusal to obey God. And if it were me, honestly, it's a good thing that I'm, I'm not God, right? Because if it were me, I'd be like, these Israelites, man, these ungrateful little suckers, like, I, I mean, we are only a month out of Egypt. I have been working hard to deliver them and make them a nation, and they already want to turn tail, and, they, and then they want to go back. But that's not the response that God gives. Instead, God says, you know what? You complaining? Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it rain bread. I'm going to give you meat in the evening. I'm going to give you bread that's going to miraculously form on the ground. And then he says something that's really interesting to me and that I want us to focus on a little bit here. He says, I'm going to test them to see if they will follow my instructions. Show of hands here, how many people hate tests? Some of us, like, <laughs> like don't take me back to school. Anybody love tests? Like really enjoyed tests? Not as many of us. I tell you, as a kid, I loved tests. Like, 
In elementary school, those speed math tests, like that was my jam. I knew my multiplication table forward and backwards, and it was always a race for me to see if I could be the first one done. But I know a lot of us, we hate tests, right? And for tests, it really boils down to this, because a test, it's always pass or fail, right? It's either I have reached the benchmark that someone has set for me, or I have not. Either I am good enough, or I am not. And a lot of us, we, we dread and we stressed over ch- or tests as children, or even tests that we have and things that we, we have for our job. A lot of us, we hate tests. And a problem for many of us is sometimes we, we take this mindset and we have these moments or even moments of difficulties where we, we do question at times, like, man, is, is God testing me with what I'm going through? Why is God allowing something like this to happen to me? And when we get it twisted in our minds, where we get in this place where we think about God's happiness with me or what God is doing in my life is somehow based on my performance, right? Like based on my performance and my recent behavior, God is either happy with me or God is mad at me. That based on what I've done in my life, God is going to have good things for me or God will have bad things to teach me a lesson. Or we get caught up in this idea that like, man, if I die at the wrong time and I was on a bad streak, like God is either going to send me to heaven or God might send me to hell. And I want you to know God is not up there with this naughty list where he's constantly trying to see who's trending up and who's trending down and where do we meet the line because that's not how it works. The scripture clearly tells us, and even as we look back last week with Jared, you know, that that it's never based on anything that we do, but it's the fact that God had sent Jesus to be the sacrifice and the replacement for our sins. And so when we look at Scripture in these moments where God is testing, I want us to understand this. The testing that God is doing here, it's not about pass or fail. God's not asking the question, if I'm going to keep these people being my nation of Israel or if I'm going to get rid of them. But what God is trying to do here is he's trying to allow them moments to succeed or fail so that they have moments to learn more about who God is and the things that he has in store for their lives. I want you to think about what God said at the end of that passage there in verse 12 that we looked at. He says, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. And then he says what? He says, then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Don't you think that the Israelites knew who God was when he performed 10 crazy plagues and miracles in Egypt? Don't you think the Israelites knew who God was when the angel of death passed over and spared them and they were finally released from Egypt? Don't you think that the Israelites knew who God was when he parted the Red Sea and they got a chance to walk across on dry land? Yet God says here again, I'm going to give you bread, I'm going to give you the meat that you ask for, and then and only then will you start to understand, I am the Lord your God. This is a really important thing for us to realize here. God is not done teaching his people who he is. In fact, with the nation of Israel, God has just gotten started. And the same is true for us. I want us to make this connection. We never get to a point in our life where we arrive, where we just know God and trust God enough or fully. But God always has us in a place where he's trying to teach us more and more about who he is, the promises that he has for our life, and and how great and how much that he loves us and wants to provide for us. You know, if you're a parent, you can think about it this way. You got kids and they, they grumble and complain, right? Hear it all the time. I'm hungry. When are we there yet? I'm tired. My feet hurt. I don't want to wear shoes. You know, I get those things a lot. I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old. 
But think about it this way. I mean, even as a parent, your kids are going to ask for a lot of things, and they're going to grumble about things, and you're going to listen to them. But at the end of the day, what you're going to do is you're going to lead them hand by hand, do what's best for them, and really what are you teaching them? You're teaching them how much you love them and how much you want to provide for them and give the best for them. And when we look at what God is doing here with the Israelites in Egypt, I mean, you can think about, I mean, the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt, it's like a birth being happening. It's like the nation of Israel has just been born. And now God is graciously and lovingly taking them by the hand and leading them and saying, I know this isn't comfortable right now. I know this isn't exactly what you want. I know this isn't ideal, but I have something really, really good in store for you if you'll trust me to be the resource that you need. I want to look at the Israelites and and how they do with this test that God gives them. You can look at chapter uh, 16, verse 16. This is what happens. It says, this is what the Lord commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, which is about three cups. It says, take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. So God gives the Israelites these specific instructions about the bread and the manna that forms, right? He says, I'm going to send manna on the ground six out of the seven days, and each day you are to take just enough for that day, except for the sixth day. He tells them, I want you to take twice as much, and then he gives them instructions on how they can boil it, they can bake it, and they can save it for the seventh day when there won't be any manna on the ground. And uh, the Israelites hear that, and they fail the test on both points, right? As we just read there, it uh, makes you kind of want to puke a little bit. It's pretty gross. Some people save the, the, uh, the manna and it, it rots, right? It smells, it's full of bugs, it's gross. And then if you look later in chapter 16, there's another group of Israelites. They try to go out on the seventh day, even though they were told, and there's no manna on the ground. And this is the next point I want us to, to latch on to as we're talking about God being our provision and our resource for us today this is what I want you to know. I want you to know, don't get ahead of God. It's just funny how this is so much our, our human nature. I mean, really what the Israelites do, it's not surprising at all, is it? I mean, we, we get in this mindset sometimes where we never have enough and we want more and more and more. And so, actually, I've got a video of this that I think uh, puts this into a good perspective for us. Check this out. A wild scene on the 5 freeway in Carlsbad today after the door popped open on an armored truck. Wow. (laughs) Bags filled with a large sum of money hit the pavement. The bills flying everywhere. Traffic came to a standstill as people stopped and scooped up all that cash. The CHP warning that those who took the money need to turn it in immediately. Think that'll happen? (laughs) Anybody who tries to keep it could face criminal charges if they can catch you. How, How many of you think you would stop to pick up a little bit of cash? on the freeway. Like, some of us are being honest, right? Some of us, I, I get it. Like, I wouldn't be the first car because it's dangerous to stop on a highway. But you can bet if traffic is backed up, man, I'm, I'm probably stepping out of the car. I'm going to, like, stuff my pockets full of some 20s, right? You know, like, I, you know, daddy could use a little cash, right? So, you know, it's, 
it's funny how this is, this is so much in us that we, we have this hunger in us, really, I think sometimes, where we desire more and more and more in our lives. And I know it's right that, that many of us, we want to provide for ourselves and we want to provide for those that God has given us in our life. But let's be honest, for many of us, there's a point that we go way across that line of just providing and we're really seeking things that, that we don't need, right? It's almost like we cross this line. There's a fine line at some point that we get to where really we're trusting more in the world and the things that it says it can give and the things that it says that we need to provide for us to protect us, to fulfill us, that we trust those things more than we really trust God. And the problem is, I mean, we get a, like a thousand messages every day from the world about the things that we need, right? And some of that's super obvious. Like, we all understand commercials. We understand advertisements. Like, they are trying to sell us something. There's a lot more messages that we allow through that are hurtful for our souls, and I think that are a lot more subtle that we don't really pay attention to. And I tell you, for you and me and a lot of us here, I mean, a lot of it, it's like our phone in our hand and it just starts with doing this. It's a whole lot of this, the images, the information, the things that we take in. But for some of us, it's these, it's these social media personalities. If it's a, it's a person or an account, and it shows us things that, that we feel like we want, whether it's someone who has a life that we wish that we had or someone that, that talks about maybe about positivity or mental health or something that we feel like we need more of in our life. For some of us, we're guilty of, of scrolling through and looking at like vacation spots and things around the world, right? I mean, we get this idea, of, man, if I could just go to that country and experience what it has to offer, if I could go to that beach or if I could be on that mountain, then that my life would be a little bit more fulfilling. It would have a little bit more experience. It would just, life would be more real and fresh if I could just do those things. I know for me, I'm really guilty of I'm scrolling through like Zillow and I'm looking at these homes that are thousands of dollars more than I know that my, me and my family can afford. And yet I do it anyways, looking at those, man, thinking what if our family could live in that neighborhood or, or what it would it be like to have that kind of home or to be able to live in that kind of way? And all that does this thing here, I mean, it creates this greater hunger and really this doom for our souls. You know, we have a name for all this scrolling, and really what it's called, we call it doom scrolling. If you haven't heard that, that was a term that was coined back in like 2016 when the election cycle was really hot and like everything that you flipped through was really bad and really negative. I don't want to go back there. But I want to tell you like there is a certain doom that it creates in our souls when we constantly take in these messages of things that we need and things that are going to make us happy and things that are going to protect us and make us fulfilled, and none of those things are true we got to look at what God says to the Israelites, and really his instruction is this. He says, each and single, every day, you need to step out of your tent, and you need to trust me. You need to trust that I'm going to put the bread on the ground like I said I'm going to, and in each and every day, you need to go, and you need to pick up just enough for that day, and trust that what I've given you is all that you need. And the instruction really is, is the same for us today, and you know, like when we get up out of bed, God says, I have given you today. I've given you the people that you have in your lives, the situations that in front of you, the church that you have around you, your job, the situations, everything that you've in. And I want you to take that moment to step down to be able to pick that up, to make the most of it each day and realize that what I'm doing, even if you can't see it, even if you can't understand the situation or where you are right now, 
I am leading you towards something that's really, really good. I am leaving you to a fuller understanding of who I am, the way that I want to provide and I want to protect for you in your lives. And this is what God is doing for the Israelites in this passage. I want to go to the end of, of chapter 16, verse 31. It says this. It says, The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to the land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan, which is the promised land. You know, if you're curious like me, I, I love this passage, right? I love that they, like, told us what manna tastes like. I don't know about anybody else here, but, like, bread that literally forms on the ground, like, yeah, I want to know what that tastes like. I'm kind of curious of, of what that would be like. But I want you to understand, this passage, it doesn't tell us what manna tastes like because it wants to, like, satiate our curiosity, right? But there's a reason that it tells us what the manna tastes like that the manna tastes like honey. And really, there's something that the, that the writer wants us, the reader, to understand when we read that. You might remember this. What does God say the, the promised land is going to be like? It's going to be a land flowing with milk and what? Honey. The manna literally tastes like honey. The manna is literally a foretaste of the promised land and what God has in store for the Israelites. God is saying, if you will just trust me, if you will follow me, even though you don't have the picture, big picture, even if you don't understand right now, I have something really, really good for you. And this is the last thing I want you to catch on today about God being our provision and, and giving us resources. I want you to know God is still writing your story. You know, God says the same thing to us, and when we get in these situations where we don't understand and we don't see, God says, I need you to keep leaning on me. I need you to keep leaning on my promises, because if you do that, I'm leading you towards something that's really, really good. And that's not God promising that we're going to have everything that we want or everything that we think that we need in life, but God says, I'm going to be all that you need, because you're going to be a, have a fuller understanding of who I am how much I love you, the grace that I have given you. And then when you find yourself in the desert, you'll be able to help other people see that as well. You know, the problem for you and I, a lot of times, is we just, we don't have the right perspective, right? It reminds me of my two kids, my son, uh, Grayson, he's six years old. My daughter, Olivia, is four years old. And uh, we had this one weekend where we had come back from Kansas City. We went to the, the Great Wolf Lodge up there. We love getting to go up there and, and hang out with the kids. They have an awesome time. And, and one night we're sitting around the dinner table, and my son makes this statement. He says, hey, we've been to Great Wolf Lodge three times now. To which my daughter Olivia, the four-year-old, she says, no, we haven't. We've only been twice. And as you can imagine, if you've had little ones, this turns into this argument of it was three times or no, it was two times. And so mom and dad had to cut in and, and stop the argument. And we said, well, Livy, you were really little the first time that you went. Like, you, you just, you don't remember. We have actually been three times. 
to which my daughter Olivia says, but I don't remember going three times. And it's funny how, like, in, in her little brain, you know, if she can't perceive it, if she can't remember it, if it doesn't seem within the realm of reality, like, it absolutely did not happen, right? And I want to take this a step for us. You know, for Livy, what she needs to do, she just needs to be able to grow up, right? To remember, to have those experiences. Grayson has the advantage of, of having grown up, and we, we understand physical growth. But the problem for many of us so many times is we lag behind in spiritual growth, right? And for many of us, when we get stuck in these situations that are, that are hard and we don't understand and we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, we say, God, why don't you love me? God, why don't you provide? God, why aren't you here with me right now? And that's not the case. God says, I hear you. I'm with you. I'm providing for you. Don't get ahead of me. Trust that I am writing a story for you that's still really, really good. You know, I love when you take this to the New Testament. I know for so many of us, we get these moments where we do feel like we're the Israelites. We're in the desert of life. And it's hard to have a picture of what's going on. But the picture of God with Israelites is that God never lets go of us in the desert, right? Man, he loves us so much, and he's bought us with such an amazing price when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And God says, I am determined to lead you through the wilderness and through the desert of your life so you can see how much I love you and all the good that I have planned for you. It was thousands of years later, Jesus, God's son, that would say to us, he'd say, I am the bread of life. That whoever comes to me, says, will never be hungry again, will never find themselves to be thirsty again when they trust in me to be the provision and the resource that they need for their life. For all of us, we need to trust more, to act on the promises that God has given us. And so this is the question that I want to leave you with today. I mean, what is holding you back from trusting God the way that he's asking you to? to making him the resource that you are really relying on in your life? Is it a situation that you find yourself in? A doubt, an insecurity, a fear that you may not have what you want or what you need? God wants you to give that to him today. So you can say, I'm going to take today, I'm going to pick it up, I'm going to make the most of it, knowing and trusting that what God has for me at the end of my desert it's better than I can see right now. So this is what I want to do. I want to give us a chance to give that thing to God today. And as we bow our heads and close our eyes, I just want us to put our hands out like this. As a chance for you, as you pray today, to offer to God that fear, that situation, that insecurity that you're feeling right now. So go ahead and put out your hands and close your eyes. And this is what I want to do. I want to give us a chance to just give that to God right now in prayer. Right now, whatever it is between you and God and just the quietness of your heart, I want you to tell God that thing that you know is holding you back from trusting him the way that he wants you to. It's okay to tell God that you're frustrated. It's okay to tell God that you're scared. What's not okay today is to, to turn away. God wants you to turn towards him to be able to give to him that thing today.
Let me pray for all of us. God, we just pray right now that you would take our fears, our insecurities, God, our inability to perceive or see the situation that you do. God, just forgive us because we're like kids, good Lord. We hunger to know who you are and what you have for us. God, we hunger to experience your goodness, but there's so much that holds us back. So God, we give those things to you today. God, we thank you that you are a God that loves us, that provides for us, that is with us in the desert. Forgive us when we get ahead of you. God, because we know that you are writing our story still. I want to keep our heads bowed and, and our eyes shut. You know, today, if you've never had that opportunity to make God that provision in your life, for God to be that thing to fulfill you, to bring the life that you need, I want to give you an opportunity to say that prayer and make that happen today. So if you would like to accept the person of Jesus for the first time in your life, I want you to say this prayer, repeat after me just in the quietness of your heart, these words. God, forgive me because I'm a sinner and I know I need you. Forgive me for searching elsewhere, for thinking that I could find salvation elsewhere. But God, I recognize that you are the one and only resource that I need. God, today I choose to put my trust in Jesus. I believe him when he says he is the bread of life. God, and that he will cure the hunger and the thirst of my soul. So God, I put my faith in him and I trust you with my life. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time to put your trust in Jesus, to make him the provider, the savior of your life, now I want you to do is just I'll give you a chance to raise your hand, to say, God, that was me. I took that step today. God, I'm gonna allow you to be the bread of life that I need for me. Awesome. Awesome, let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for my brothers and my sisters who for the first time today, God, are experiencing the fulfillment that only you can give. But the hunger of their, their souls, the thirst is being quenched, Lord, and that's all because of you. God, we thank you that you are such an amazing God, that you love us, that you provide for us, and you are our resource. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.